This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Okay, hello. Welcome to Thursday's episode. Today, I'm talking to my sister because, as most of you know, if you follow me on Instagram, she has been going through IVF for a long freaking time. Um, she also lives up north, which, like northern Ontario, which means there are no fertility clinics in that area. So every time she has an appointment, she's driving to Toronto, which is like a three and a half, four hour drive. Um, so yeah, and there's a lot of appointments involved with fertility treatments and whatnot. So I thought we would just chat about her journey or I guess her and her fiance's journey to getting pregnant and everything that they've done and kind of like a general timeline Um, and it's interesting because everyone has a different story, which we can talk about a little bit later, but this is her experience and her story. So my first question, Liza, is do you remember like when you were thinking, oh yeah, maybe we should try for a baby now? Like when was that? Because right now it's 2021 and you're how old? 32. You're 32. So like at what, when was that? So in 2017, I remember exactly because we decided, we talked about it, we had the big conversation and then we were going to try, like I started tracking my cycles and we like timed intercourse and like did all that fun stuff, which eventually ends up feeling like a job and no fun. So we did that for uh, a year because most doctors, like after six months, I went and talked to my doctor and was like, nothing's happening. Like I was getting really frustrated and he said well you have to try for at least a year and then we'll like talk about fertility stuff so we had to keep doing that for an, like another 6 months before we could get referred to see anybody with that has to do with fertility just so people know what the initial testing is it's like blood work the internal ultrasound yeah so like a big one for the blood work is the AMH which is essentially tells you the ability of the woman to produce eggs to be fertilized for pregnancy. Okay. So that's a big one that they're looking at. And if it's low, then they could like that triggers them to think that it might, that might be the reason why you're not conceiving. Okay. So mine was a little bit on the low side, Okay. but the second time that I had it done, it was normal. So not sure I'd have to look into it more, like not sure how that happens or if that can happen if it's like changes I have no idea but so that was the case in my case and then Mike had a little bit of low motility meaning that like the semen weren't moving like efficiently okay and that's it but other than that everything else was normal so like they thought an IUI would be would suffice Uh, okay so that that was the same as me like I did all the testing and then everything came back normal, which is kind of frustrating because you're like, you want to know why it's not happening. It's like one of those things where not getting any kind of result, like it's kind of a good thing, but at the same time, you're like, you wish it was something that could just be fixed right away so that you can 
have a baby. But anyways, so yeah, all my testing and pre's testing was normal as well. And then that was the next step for us was to do the IUI, which is just putting like turkey baster stuff like this is so the thing about a little IUI. bit more to it okay i i yeah so, there's a okay. little bit more to it okay so you can do the washing of the semen which is right yeah, okay. so they select like the quality semen so that they have a better chance of actually fertilizing the egg and they're monitoring and they put, your ovulation yeah and so they gave me a drug called letrozole which makes you super ovulate so like you're you're producing more than just one egg which is like typical for a female you just produce one egg each cycle one to two so but this time it would be like you know up to seven or like whatever however well you react to the drug so it increases your chances of getting pregnant but even with that like I ended up technically getting pregnant with the IUI but then having a chemical which is like a really, really early miscarriage. Okay, so that's what a chemical pregnancy is. It's like it happened, but it just didn't Like there stick. was implantation enough that your body started producing a little bit of HCG, uh, okay. but then it just terminated itself. Okay. For whatever reason. Okay. See, I feel like chemical pregnancy is like not a good term to use because it makes it sound like it was not there in the first place. I don't know. I don't like that word. Some doctors, yeah. So it's it, that's like the medical term for yeah. it because they don't want to say miscarriage because there was no like real fetus there yet. So yeah. Anyways. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. A lot of people don't use the term chemical, but I'm not sure how else except for really early miscarriage. I guess you yeah. would say. Okay. So that was that. What else did I have to say about IUI? I don't remember. Anyways, so we had our appointment to go down to Toronto to to do that, basically. Because um, mm-hmm. what is it, like $500 or something? Yeah, it depends. Because you can do it medicated or you could do it unmedicated. Okay. And so... I, mine was medicated. IUI is not covered by OHIP, is it? I don't think so. Oh, that... I don't think so. I was just looking through my paperwork and I believe we just paid straight up Yeah, because I think that's what we were going to do as well. But I don't know. Maybe there's an like a way to do it where it's covered, but that's not what I remember. There might, it might be one round. I'm not sure, okay. to be honest. I'm not sure on that one. Um, okay, so there was IUI. So yeah, anyways, what I was going to say is we were going to go do that as well. And then the day that I got the email for the appointment to go down to Toronto was the day that we found out that we were pregnant with Milo, which was kind of like so random. But Crazy. So you did the one IUI and then moved into IVF or did you do two IUIs? So I can't, I, it's such a blur. Like I don't remember exactly if we just tried medicated and then timed intercourse and then went to the IUI, but I know we only did one IUI and then went straight to IVF and we had to kind of ask the doctor to do that. They wanted to do a few more IUIs, okay. like at least three they, they were suggesting Um, but our decision was to just go straight to IVF and they honored that decision. And so why did did you not want to do more IUIs? You just didn't think that it would work? Yeah. Like, so essentially with some of our results, and if you look at the statistics of IUI versus IVF, like you're getting the job done a lot quicker with IVF Okay. and IUI, like the stats just aren't very promising. Okay. 
So interesting. We just we we had already been trying for like a year and a half by then. So I know that's the thing that is mind blowing is the time, especially like you're traveling to Toronto. You have to wait each cycle. Like, oh, the waiting is insane. Like you wait for appointments. You wait when you're at the office. You wait for beta results. You wait for like you just there's waiting at every step of the way. Yeah. It's it's actually insane. Yeah. Like you're just constantly waiting for something. Yeah. So, okay. So when you decided to do the IVF, it was through the same clinic. So yeah. can you, like, what is the first step of IVF? Like you live in Northern Ontario. Your clinic is in Toronto. So you're waiting. Like I know just from talking to you, like usually you wait to get your period And then that is considered like day one. And then they do certain things on each day of your cycle. Right. So before doing IVF, they still wanted to redo all the tests that they had done. So they did like the, it's called a hysterosonogram. So it's essentially where they, they push saline through your fallopian tubes and they, while they're doing an ultrasound to check for any blockages. And then they can also check the anatomy of the uterus, like the, like the lining and everything to see if there's any cysts or anything like that going on. So I had, I've had two of those in total, which they're like really uncomfortable. You're cramping. I I think you had it done too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that, and then all the blood work, um, Mike got another semen analysis done and then they checked for like Tay-Sachs and thyroid and that's kind of considered like basic testing for, for IVF. I'm assuming there's testing to do for IVF that they have to make sure that you're like healthy enough or you know, so that they don't want to go and do all that for nothing, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they just want to make sure that like the body's functioning well enough that it's going to be able to hold a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. When I had my uh, sonogram done, they found a cyst in my uterus, so I had to have what's called a hysteroscopy. Oh, yeah. So it's like a surgery where they go in and remove the cyst. So I had that done prior to my first round of IVF. Okay, now. Maybe you don't know this answer, but like medically speaking, this is the thing about infertility. They find everything because they're looking for everything. I'm sure many people have a cyst in their uterus and it means nothing. And they go on to have a million pregnancies and it's fine. But it's like now you had they found that cyst and it's like, oh, just in case, like we better do this. And so you go and have that procedure. Then you have to recover from that procedure. Wait, wait, wait. And like go on yeah so essentially they want it's all an odds game yeah so if there's a cyst in your uterus and that embryo tries to implant on the cyst then you're not going to have a successful pregnancy so that's why they remove the cyst so that there's more room in the uterus for that embryo to implant so it's just all about odds like they don't want to risk that like wasting that embryo yeah okay that you've worked so hard to to make in the first place my husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long term health. 
We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. 
Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. So the first step of IVF, which I always forget about, is the egg retrieval. Yeah. So it's, and this is, okay, this is something that I did not know. So if you're listening, maybe you don't know this either. In Ontario, at least, and I'm sure there's other provinces, the government covers, like our healthcare system will cover one round of IVF. I thought one round meant one transfer. So like when you had your first transfer, I was like, okay, that's the one that's covered. And then you kept having transfers. And I'm like, where the fuck is she getting all this money? Like who's paying for all these transfers? <laughs> Bala. Yeah. But I didn't realize that one round is all the transfers based on how many embryos you were able to create from the first egg retrieval. To do the egg retrieval, first of all like explain that it's all like the injections and stuff yeah so lots of meds to essentially like stimulate your ovaries and your follicles so that you're you have you're producing a whole bunch of eggs yeah and then so it's like a it's a more intense version of the pill the letrozole that i was taking for the iui it's just a way more intense version of that and so that's like needle injections yeah yeah. For how and long? Mix, mixing the drugs and for, I'm not, I can't exactly remember, like a week or more than that, maybe, maybe a week and a half. Okay. And, and then you go in and then they check your, they keep checking your follicles to make sure that they're maturing. And then once they've matured to a certain size, then they can be confident enough that that follicle's ho- holding a mature egg that they can retrieve. So they have to wait till you, like most of your follicles are a certain millimeters, usually 17 to like 21 millimeters. Okay. And was that, is the egg retrieval when they do the, like the shot to like stimulate ovulation or is that IVF, the transfer? So they give you the HCG uh, shot, which is to get you to release those eggs, but they time it very specifically so that you're not releasing the eggs before they can get in there and retrieve them. Oh, okay. Oh my God. But it helps. I, I think it helps to mature the eggs. So it's like within 48 hours or something, you're back in the office for your retrieval. Okay. And so yeah. obviously your partner has to be there at the to same time sample. to give a sperm sample. And then that is how they create the embryos outside of the human body, which is like mind blowing. Yeah. So they take the eggs, the eggs have to mature to like an appropriate size, I guess. And then they select the best sperm and they, we did ICSI, which is, I don't know what the fancy name is, intracytoplasmic something, something, Mm -hmm. where they take the sperm and inject it directly into the egg. As opposed to what, like... As opposed to just letting the sperm swim around the Petri dish and infertilize (laughs) the egg itself. Like I can't. Yeah. (laughs) So do you remember how many eggs they got? Yeah. So they retrieved 12 eggs from me, which is a pretty like average, like pretty good number, like something you should be happy about, I guess. 
and 10 of them matured and fertilized. Um, eight of them reached the blastocyst stage, which is the stage they need to freeze okay. them. But we got our embryos uh, PGS tested, so um, pre-implantation genetic screening, essentially, to check the chromosomes okay. to make sure that we are getting euploid embryos. And that's an extra thing that you pay for, right? Oh, yeah. 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 That's the like one of the most expensive. It was pretty expensive. Okay. To get that. So that is a huge barrier to some people actually getting them tested and not getting them tested. Do you remember the, how the much cost it was? Of that. I think it's about $4,000. Okay. Dollars, four to $5,000. Yeah. Wow. To end, like at the end of the day, how many of your embryos were good enough to be transferred? So we had five come back normal, euploid, and then one mosaic and one abnormal. Now, I'm, I'm not 100% sure what they, like, the abnormal is. Like, I didn't think they kept them, but I guess they do because in the odd time they do transfer them. Okay. Because sometimes they can be a healthy pregnancy. Interesting. So I think it depends on the doctor from what I was reading, whether or not they like to transfer abnormal uh, embryos. And so that's the retrieval you are all excited about how many embryos you get and then and like some people like I know people that got one went through the whole egg retrieval process got one good embryo and so they had one transfer that they could do and again it's like in Ontario at least they'll cover one round which is how many embryos did you get from that first egg retrieval and so they're left with just one embryo. So you had eight? Uh, yeah. I believe I have, I had seven that were like normal. Considered like healthy. Yeah, but the one abnormal. So maybe six. Okay. I think I've got two left, essentially. Okay. So how- but I just emailed the clinic to double check all that. <laughs> so how many? To be honest. You did your first transfer. So that's the same kind of thing. Like you you wait to get your period and then that's considered day one. And then you have to go to the clinic on like day two or something, which is nuts because you're up North. So, you know, you have an idea when your period's going to come, but you know, you're never a hundred percent. So you just have to like up and go to Toronto now. And to after the egg retrieval, you're not really sure when you're going to get your period. Yeah. Some people it, it messes up their cycle. So okay. they're waiting on that too. And so The transfer is, I know there's a bunch of different ways to do the transfer with regard to like what medications people are going to take. Oh yeah. Cause like sometimes, cause like I know your first few transfers, you were doing the injections to promote ovulation, but this last one you did it with a natural ovulation, right? So you're, you're thinking more of the stim cycle, which is prior to the egg retrieval. So it's called a protocol, like your the medications that you're on. So everyone has like a different protocol depending on what your issues are. Okay. So for my first transfer, they did kind of like the basic protocol, like baby aspirin, five milligrams of prednisone. And then we started the progesterone injections, which are the big, the big ones that go in into the muscle. Okay. Um, and then once that, so that my first transfer essentially ended in an ectopic, which is like a one to 2% chance of that happening. And then to treat that, we had to use what's called methotrexate. We had two options. The doctor gave us two options. We could use methotrexate, which is an injection. 
and it essentially stops the cells from dividing so it, it miscarries the pregnancy yeah it miscarries the pregnancy and then you have to wait three months before attempting to do another transfer or getting pregnant at all like you have to wait those three months yeah. to get the medicine out of your system or you could have surgery to remove the tube that the ectopic pregnancy was in and then after that you can kind of you don't have there's no waiting period okay. so essentially they, they left that decision up to us and we decided to go with the less invasive treatment so after you take that medication tubes. to that like miscarries the pregnancy for you mm-hmm. your tube is viable still no so they said that once you have an ectopic in your in your tube like it's kind of ruined oh, that's, at that point that's wow and it increases your chances of having another one weird yeah. it like ruins that tube yeah okay so that was like such a random thing to happen like you said it's not very common especially in ivf and then the second one so then you you took the medication you had to wait three more months to do the next one and so you did your second transfer and that one if i remember was a chemical yeah pregnancy so early miscarriage which every time they're doing a transfer it's like all the needles all the appointments yeah. like coming to trial through everything from start to finish over and over again like yeah oh. and then the third transfer was which i did right back to back so i did transfers two and three back to back um because i could when it ends in a chemical you, you just uh, essentially wait for your period to come and then you can start again right away yeah so I started again right away for my third one, and that one too ended in chemical. Um, so at this point, the doctors are going, okay, so you have like a 100% pregnancy rate, like you're getting pregnant, pregnant. we just got to keep you pregnant. So that's when they started thinking about like immune um, issues. Uh, so essentially for the fourth round, I switched doctors. So I left, I was originally with the fellows, so I had like a different doctor every like six months and I switched to the head honcho guy, <laughs> essentially like the big guy. And he put me on what they call like a kitchen sink protocol. So it's like everything, like they just threw everything at me, um, which is like they upped the prednisone to 10 milligrams. They did 5,000 units of Fragman. We did intralipid infusions, uh, platelet rich plasma, which is essentially where they take your blood and they separate the platelets from it and then they re-inject those platelets into your uterus and it's supposed to help with like healing and and implantation and then we also added nupagen which helps with like lessen the immune system and then i had like on top of that the regular meds like the aspirin and the progesterone and vitamin d and a probiotic so this was so for like, the fourth transfer yeah the which is until at, at this point successful right what with all the drugs and everything like what are some of the side effects that because i i feel like we hear like ivf ivf oh yeah we did ivf but people don't understand i don't even think people understand like all the needles and the medications but like what how does that affect your body i'd say the the medication that gave me the worst side effects personally was estrogen okay uh like it just threw my moods for a loop like i was watching commercials with like a puppy in it and like bawling my eyes out like (laughs) one day there was a squirrel on the road that got hit by a car and i started bawling (laughs) my eyes out like it just 
estrogen was just like a real bitch. Like it was brutal. So the, on the fourth round, we didn't do estrogen. Okay. So it's like, it's kind of a natural cycle, but not really because of all the other meds that you're doing. Like it's not natural like you would think, yeah. but we didn't use estrogen because my lining tended to thicken up normally. Okay. So we didn't. Yeah. We that's didn't think what we it was. needed it. Okay. Yeah. And so a transfer, you go in to like the doctors, I'm assuming it looks kind of like an operating room. You lay down. Yeah, like I have, I think, like I only know my my clinic. Mm. Um, so when I go into the OR, there's all these small little waiting rooms, and each one of them has a massage chair in them. And you sit and wait there, and you like gown up, put your little scrub hat on, and everything, and wait for like them, the nurses to come and get you and bring you into what they call the OR, which is where they do their procedures and stuff. So my clinic has its own OR. I think some other clinics use hospital ORs, so that experience would be much different. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not sure what that would be like, but but it's quick. Ours is like you just the transfer takes like maybe 15 minutes. Yeah, and it only took 15 minutes for me because I did an HCG wash, which means they put HCG in your like we did everything. So <laughs> they put HCG in your uterus. And it's supposed to be like um, an espresso for the embryo, like to wake it up and get it ready to go and implanting. So you wait five minutes with that in there before they transfer the embryo. Is that the first time? Otherwise, it takes. uh, We had done that a couple times. And we also did embryo glue, Mm. which is uh, like a substance that they put the embryo in and it's supposed to help with implantation. But a lot of stuff in fertility. Like they're still doing research on it. So it's not like they can't say like, yeah, this is definitely going to work. You just kind of have to roll the dice. Well, and it's hard to tell if something works because you don't know why it didn't work. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to, yeah, the fertility stuff is mind boggling and frustrating at the same time because like there's not really answers usually and right you don't get answers as to why it worked or why it didn't work trying keep trying and like you said you're just like okay let's try everything but at the end of the day like this last one was successful but nobody knows why it could just be like like the odd chance you know like you don't know why something works versus doesn't work unless there's something like glaringly glaringly obvious how what it what are you at right now currently what do you mean? Like how far along? Yeah. Uh, seven weeks and two days. And so you have one more appointment with the fertility clinic in Toronto? Uh, two more. Two, two more. to three more appointments. Okay. Depending on when they're going to let me go. So you typically, if you're with a fertility clinic, you did IVF, at least at this clinic, they release people to their... They gradu- you, you graduate from your clinic at around 10 weeks. Okay. And so then you would be transferred to either like a midwife or an OB in your actual hometown. Uh, yeah. And then that's it for the clinic. Yeah. They've done their job. Wow. That's... Yeah. Yeah. So how are you feeling? We'll just end with this. So how are you feeling right now? Uh, like pretty good. I just actually... <laughs> it's funny because I just got back from... You'd think that I would be done peeing on pregnancy tests, but I was at Shoppers Drug Mart and I was like just kind of standing there waiting to fill a prescription that I need, like the Nupogen that I need to inject. And I was like, oh, I wonder what the week's indicator test would say right now. So of course I went and bought 
two more pregnancy tests and peed on them just to make sure. What did it say? <laughs> it said three plus, which is exactly what I was looking oh, for. Okay. So they there's like they one to two, two that? to three. What do you mean? Like the test won't say seven weeks. No, no, no. It just says three plus. Oh, okay. Like that's the that's the highest that you can get just based on your HCG levels. Okay. So. Yeah, because now yeah. they don't test your HCG levels anymore, right? No, yeah. no. So I did four betas. A lot of clinics just do two. And if it doubles, then they're happy with that. But my clinic, I think probably because of my history of uh, like chemicals or early miscarriage, they wanted to keep checking. Yeah. So they, I did four betas and then they scheduled me for my first ultrasound after that. Hmm. Okay. So I go at week six and eight and 10 and then I'll see. And I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited for my eight week uh, ultrasound next week. Do you have any symptoms right now? Like, oh, I'm peeing all the time. Yeah. I'm exhausted. I could eat a cow like literally all day. I could eat. Yeah. My boobs are sore. Oh, and I get weird dreams, like really weird dreams. <laughs> that you've been in some of them, which I've told you about, but that's for another day. Uh, okay. Well, that's great. Thanks for sharing your journey. Sorry, I should come closer to the microphone. Thanks for sharing your journey with us. Um, yeah. This was helpful for some people who are probably wondering. Maybe there's some people listening that are about to start IVF and so they're curious about how it all works. So thanks for uh, chatting with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, bye. Ciao. Are you looking for a podcast that'll make you laugh? You came to the wrong place. That's not us. That's not us. Well, it is. We are a husband and wife who chat about raw, real relationship yeah, topics. like sex. Like money. Like marriage and kids. But we're not afraid to talk about how your newborn baby probably isn't as cute as you think it is. If you're in need of entertainment while you're driving to work, because that sucks, we can join you in the suckage, kind of like being in your ear. Not physically. So if you want to laugh, come check us come out. Come check us out. Brought to you by the Laughing Couple Podcast. Ha <laughs> ha